Welcome back to Talking Acoustics. I'm joined this week by Marsha Isaacson. I met Marsha a few months ago in her role as president of the Acoustical Society of America when she was in Sydney planning for a joint conference here in 2021. We didn't have time to speak at length during her visit, but we caught up via Skype last week. Marsha went to West Point uh, and served in the military before moving into research and teaching in underwater acoustics. She has a passion for attracting more women into the field, uh, and we spoke about her role uh, with the Women in Acoustics Committee as part of the ASA. I hope you enjoy the interview. Well, uh, thanks, Marsha, for joining me. Um, You are um, president of the Acoustical Society of America. Um, You're also a researcher and a lecturer um, at University of Texas in acoustics. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. So I am now past president of the Acoustical Society of America. All right. My president ended in May. And so I serve a year now as past president. Okay. And so how do you explain to people at a barbecue what your job entails, what you do for a living? Oh, this is actually really easy. So I study how acoustic propagates underwater. This is important for a lot of different things, uh, like sonar research, for example, or marine mammals. It turns out that electromagnetic radiation doesn't propagate very far in seawater, maybe a few hundred meters at best. But acoustics, in this case low-frequency acoustics, can go all the way around the world. For example, there was an experiment off a herd island, which is actually an Australian possession just north of Antarctica. Everything's north of Antarctica, but this is just me. in any case, the sound, low-frequency sound was let out uh, off the coast of Heard Island. It was heard on both coasts of the United States. So that's how far acoustics can go in the ocean, whereas electromagnetics, a few hundred meters at best. Okay. And the underwater acoustics that you're doing, is that to do with communication or um, impacts on... Um, animals? Is it uh, propagation or um, military applications? What what sort of underwater acoustics are you involved with? So a lot of times I just do basic propagation problems. We try to understand how acoustics propagates underwater, how it interacts with the boundaries like the ocean bottom or the ocean surface, um, how it scatters back to us because most um, sonars, for example, are they're both sources and receivers, so you have to understand how acoustics scatters back to you. But I also do some things with uh, autonomous underwater vehicles. Um, but basically, we're just studying how acoustics propagates for remote sensing for communications, like you mentioned, and for um, environmental reasons. So, you know, understanding how acoustics propagates in the ocean helps us monitor ecosystems, such as from marine mammals or fish. I don't do that directly, but my work would influence that kind of thing. And do you see um, communications, underwater communications, um, as a as a growth area? Is that something that's developing more? Well, if you want to communicate with anything underwater, including installations on the on the bottom, you know, sometimes businesses have installations on the bottom or something like that, or you want to communicate with uh, 
um, submarines or, or vehicles in the water column, you cannot use radio. Also, GPS does not work underwater. So if you want to do any of those things, you have to use acoustics. So the more technology that we put in the ocean to remote sense the ocean, the more acoustic communications will become important. Mm, okay. Um, and how did you get into this field? Because you took a bit of a different path maybe to uh, a lot of people. You, you went to West Point originally, is that right? That's correct, yes. So I went to West Point, and I was a physics major at West Point, and my original idea um, was that I would be an Army scientist, but that didn't quite work out for me because I didn't actually have that program anymore by the time I graduated. Um, so I went directly to graduate school and studied physics because I've always been interested in science and physics and always really loved math ever since I can remember. Uh, and then I went back into the Army and I served in the Army for a few years, which was a good experience for me too. And then came back and finished my PhD in uh, molecular spectroscopy, which is kind of understanding how molecules interact with catalysts, surface catalysts in this case. I didn't want to leave Austin, though, because my husband already had a good job here in Austin, so I started looking around Austin for good opportunities. And it turns out acoustics is a place where a lot of recovering physicists find their home. Um, so there's, there's plenty of physicists in acoustics that started out in nuclear physics or atomic physics like I did, or even astrophysics. Uh, one of our lab, our lab director here was an astronomer. So the, the signal processing and the physical processes that you learn in physics are directly applicable to acoustics. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so you spent a few years in the military. What 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 have you taken away from that experience that you've then taken into your civilian life? I guess. So uh, one of the main things I learned in the military is how to manage people. And when I was 27 years old in the military, I had a staff of 18, and we were planning operations for 900 soldiers. So at a very young age, I had a high management job. You're really not going to find that in civilian life, but the military is pretty young. And doing that kind of job early helps you understand how to motivate people and how to interact with all kinds of different people. And I think that that kind of, of experience is helpful in whatever you do. So now I'm not leaving soldiers anymore, but I have you know, a postdoc, graduate students, undergraduate, I teach. And those kind of skills that you learn are just really helpful in, in any area. Can you tell me about what you do at University of Texas and, and what sort of acoustics program they have there? Well, we have a great acoustics program. Um, a lot of my work is um, is not something I'm going to talk about on the podcast, unfortunately. Um, but uh, uh, we have a, a fairly large laboratory here at the University of Texas called the Applied Research Laboratories. And we are mostly interested in underwater acoustics and sonar research at ARL. But additional to that, um, University of Texas, the Department of Mechanical Engineering, 
has a really vibrant um, acoustics program as well. They do a lot of physical acoustics, but they also have classes in ultrasonics, architectural acoustics, nonlinear acoustics, and uh, transducers. Uh, we have an anechoic chamber, and we have several laboratories, and we even are doing metamaterials with Mike Haberman here at University of Texas. So although we have this large underwater acoustics presence, there is a lot of other acoustic work being done at the University of Texas. Okay. And you've just finished up your role as the ASA president. Um, how long were you president for and, and what, um, what, what, were you, what were you involved with um, through that um, organization? So I was president for one year. What happens with the ASA is that you're elected president, you spend a year as president-elect, a year as president, and a year as past president. All three of those years are also on the executive council. So you have influence all three years, but you're only really in the hot seat for the one year. Um, one of my big pushes actually was international cooperation. I spent a lot of time doing that. Really feel that um, it's important for the ASA to reach out internationally and work together with international acoustics organizations. And we've been doing that for a number of years. Our first um, organization that we had joint meetings with was actually the Acoustical Society of Japan. And we have a pretty long-standing uh, relationship with those guys. And every 10 years, we have a meeting in um, Honolulu together. And then we uh, have now a long-standing, uh, well, 20 years or so, agreement with the European Acoustical Association. I think, I think that's right, uh, the EAA. And we have a here and there relationship with the Europeans. So we had a meeting in Paris in 2004, and then we had a meeting in Boston in 2017. So we have those kinds of meetings with the Europeans already. So it really asks, you have to ask yourself, why are we not doing something similar with Asia? So we had a Hong Kong meeting in 2012 with the Acoustical Society of China, uh, but I think that we need to have an agreement uh, with maybe Westpac or the Asian nations, uh, Asian countries and the acoustics of Asia. And maybe the uh, uh, place to start is with the Sydney meeting coming up. So we're going to have a joint meeting of the Acoustical Society of America and the Australian Acoustical Society in 2021. And uh, AAS, the Australian Acoustical Society, is also a member of the Western Pacific Acoustical Association. It's Westpac. I hope I said that right. And, and our hope is that maybe this is a start of a relationship with the Asian Acoustical Societies. And so that uh, meeting in Sydney 2021, um, you couldn't come to a better place. Uh, what, uh, so can you talk a little bit about that, what, what that's likely to involve? Um, yes, we're very excited about that. It'll be the first week of December in 2021, which that means all of us Northern Hemisphere people get out of winter and go enjoy your summer. I think we're going to have it at the uh, Darling Harbor Convention Center. Oh, I hope I have all the names right. Yeah, um, Okay. <laughs> and, uh, we expect it to be a fairly large meeting. Um, Business Event Sydney is sponsoring some of it. Um, 
And we're, we're getting started by getting excited about having some joint sessions between the Australian researchers and, and North American researchers. So we're going to set special sessions um, in acoustics that have a chair from America and a, or North America and a chair from Australia or one of the Western Pacific uh, Acoustics Associations. So I'm very, very excited about this. And of course, it's not just underwater acoustics. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it'll be a really great meeting. Um, one thing that I'm sort of constantly struck with with acoustics is um, that the gender balance um, the gender balance is changing, uh, but it's still women would still be outnumbered by men certainly in uh, certainly in Australia in uh, consulting acoustics. Um, it, do you have thoughts about how we can address that imbalance and make the career more? Uh, attractive to women. I know you were involved with the Women in Acoustics Committee. Yes, I am. And I'm also on the governing board of the American Institute of Physics, who has similar concerns, but just a bit larger instead of just focusing on acoustics, they're focusing on physics. So the Acoustical Society is around 20% women right now, which is up from like 0.1% or something like that when it started. So we are making progress, but Physics is lagging behind other disciplines in recruiting and maintaining women. And in fact, mechanical engineering, which is where most of the acoustic programs grow out of, um, only 5% of mechanical engineers are women. So it's even worse for mechanical engineering. So the, the AIP has thought a lot about this. And, and I've thought a lot about this too. And we've identified some, um, some, Times in, in young ladies' lives where they get driven away from science. So it's these kind of a bottlenecks almost. So the elementary kids, women love science, love physics and everything like that. And we've never seen any disparity in grades or test scores with respect to science. Uh, but where the identified problem for women in science is often middle school. So if you do not start on a science track by high school, sometimes you're completely behind. Then uh, you don't take the right math classes, you don't take the right science classes to prepare you for college, and then it's just a different trajectory. And middle school is where you're making those decisions about your high school trajectory, but it's also the time when polls have shown that young ladies are starting to be turned off of science. And personally, I think it's because of the lack of female role models in, um, in science, because middle school girls are very um, sensitive to social pressure. So if it's cool to be a woman scientist or they see themselves as a woman scientist, they're more likely to go into science than if it's not cool or they don't see themselves in that role or it's cast as a male role. So one of the things that we tried to do at the ASA, and maybe we can do at the Australian meeting, that would be really great, is that we've had a hands-on demonstration for middle school young ladies to come to the meeting. And we tried to staff it with, with female graduate students or young female researchers so these girls see somebody that looks like me doing acoustics. And so that's kind of a long-term uh, fix to this, but I think it's 
and it's it's a small fix because we're only talking about groups of around 50 girls. But it's I think it's start of the right way to go about fixing the gender imbalance to create role models and to seed things uh, seed this social problem of women not seeing themselves as scientists. Another thing that the ASA is trying to do is we're working with the American Association of Physics Teachers to go out into rural and inner city communities and start a train the trainer program for acoustics. Uh, and this is this is a little bit broader impact instead of just uh, young ladies. We're looking at a, a little bit broader, younger generation, and we bring in middle school teachers, which probably are predominantly women, I will say, and we're teaching them how to use kits and acoustics and then sending them back with five or six kits that they train other teachers and then we proliferate it out exponentially. So those are some of the things we're trying to do to address the gender uh, imbalance in science. Uh, and I'm hoping that will have an impact. We, we, we get a little bit stuck. So another thing you have to look at is different disciplines within acoustics have different gender imbalances. For example, animal bioacoustics is almost at parity. There's almost the same number, at least in the Acoustical Society of America, same number of women in animal bioacoustics as there are in men. Whereas underwater acoustics, I will tell you, is nowhere near parity. <laughs> We're probably one of the least represented uh, disciplines within acoustics. So not really sure how that all works out, but I still believe that having role models is key to fixing this problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, I think that idea of uh, I don't, um, middle school, but uh, certainly sort of early to mid high school here um, as an age where there's a divergence away from the STEM, um, the science, technology, engineering, math subjects um, uh, from women making uh, choices that then sort of drive them down a, a different path. Um, so that's really great. Is it, th there's I saw something mentioned about the Girl Scout outreach session. What? Yes, so that's the outreach session I was just describing. I didn't mention Girl Scouts because we're getting a little bit away from that organization. Okay. Um, but yes, so the reason that we chose the Girl Scouts to start with is because they have already in place a way to reach middle school young ladies. Mm -hmm. So we can go to a city, we can um, identify the council, we can talk to the Girl Scout council there, and they can market and advertise for us. Uh, everything is free. You know, we're not, obviously, this is outreach. We're not trying to make any money or yeah. anything like that. Um, but we've had a little bit of problems dealing with the organization, so we're starting to move a little bit away from it. Okay. And, and uh, the exploresound.org um, website, is, is is that an ASA? Um, yes. Yep. That's us. Uh, yes, that is very exciting. I am I am thrilled about Explore Sound. It's 100% ASA. We have a very vibrant education coordinator named Keita Jones, who's designed a lot of the things that are on ExploreSound.org. And some of the neat things on ExploreSound.org is that you can order a kit for your classroom from ExploreSound.org, and it's free. Although, I mean, if you wanted to donate to the ASA, we'd certainly take your money. But it is free. 
Uh, and the kit comes, and you can use that in middle school and high school classrooms to demonstrate acoustic principles. Now, sometimes I will tell you it looks like it's back-ordered, but just write Kita, and, and she'll put you on the list. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and there's, there's some interesting demos on that website too, right? Yes, and, and demos, and um, there's also some quizzes and tests, and I find out that I know a lot about underwater acoustics and sometimes not so much about other acoustics. Uh, and there's also a graduate school uh, directory there. So if you're considering to go to graduate school in acoustics, you can look up graduate programs on exploresound.org. Great. So uh, you've obviously had, even to this point, and uh, I suspect you've got a few years uh, of things left to explore, but what are you most proud of in your career so far? Huh. <laughs> um, wow. People tend to not like this question. Yeah, <laughs> because there's a lot going on. I'm, it's a bit awkward. I'm, I'm going to answer a little bit different question. I will tell you that I have fun every day. Maybe I'm proud of that. Every day I come to work and I'm excited about what I'm doing. I'm probably most proud of the thing that I'm doing right at that moment. Um, I am proud to have led the ASA for a year. That was that was a, a, a nice a, a responsibility that I took seriously and took pride in. Uh, but mostly, maybe I'm most proud of exciting my students every day. I feel like they're come to work, they're motivated to do something, they're interested in what they're learning, they are excited, you know, no one's sitting over there just looking at their computer typing away. They're interacting with each other and I think there's something to that yeah that's great um, to go to the the other side of the coin can you tell me about um, a failure uh, or something that you've in, in your career that's uh, not worked the way you thought it would um, uh, I think we're often a bit um, we look at things that don't work as being um, a bad thing, whereas I think that's often where we learn the most. Um, you tell me about any uh, failures, anything that you've you've sort of gone down a path and and discovered that things were not what you you thought they were. Well, the first time I taught my class in underwater acoustics, I really had way way too ambitious of a syllabus. And also, the book I chose was not the best book, and that was a very painful semester for every single person involved, and me, my students, probably their families, I'm not really sure. But since then, I have learned <laughs> to pull back a little bit and make my homework a lot easier. Uh, use better texts and everything. So it took a while of iterating that, but oh my goodness, a very painful first semester. What, what do you think the future of acoustics looks like? Um, and particularly, I guess, in the underwater realm where you're working? Oh, I'm, I'm really excited. So just like you have drones in the sky delivering your Amazon package or whatever, um, I think we will have 
drones in the ocean that will do a lot of monitoring for us, both ecological monitoring, even like plastics in the ocean and and you know, environmental things like that. I think we are going to use drones to understand our oceans much, much better. Yeah. And renewable energy in the ocean is another big one that I'm excited about. So, you know, we have a lot of wind near shore in the ocean or wave generated uh, energy. But on that end, we also need to understand what kind of sounds we're putting in the ocean by using renewable energy sources in the yeah. ocean. That's an important part of that. But those are two things I'm super excited about with respect to the ocean. How do you think, just in terms of the sound we're putting in the ocean, um, what's the level of regulation like in America? Because uh, certainly here, we, uh, we, we have, um, in, in New Zealand, it's quite heavily regulated about um, if you're doing um, construction work uh, underwater, um, there's quite a high... Well, high might not be the right word, but there's certainly a degree of regulation and you've got to look at what the impacts are um, on the on the aquatic life. Um, in Australia, which is, you know, a three-hour flight away, we don't really have much regulation at all um, protecting that part of the environment. Um, what What's the situation like in America? So I can only answer the part of this that I know. And I will tell you that the sponsors that I have, um, which are naval sponsors, are extremely concerned about environmental impact. And we have environmental statements for every single time we go out. And we look at not only the, uh, um, the amount of sound that we're putting out, but its effect on species and not only damaging, but changing their behavior and, and all that. So. It's taken extremely seriously on that side. On the business side, I just can't answer because I just don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, this is something I asked everyone, everyone in acoustics. Um, uh, do you play an instrument, and uh, what what's the impact of music in your life? Is that significant? Uh, you live in Austin, music. Texas, so I hope this. Uh... Of course. So I play <laughs> the guitar, right? <laughs> I do. Um, um, so I. And the piano, the tuba, and uh, now the guitar. I played the tuba in high school and middle school. Uh, I played the piano when I was younger. I, For me, it's not so much of informing my acoustics, although I do understand the vibrations of the string, and sometimes I'll tell my instructor, oh, I think you're plucking a note, and he tells me I whatever. It's not important. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for me, it's just... I do it every evening. I play for about an hour just to relax. And I don't try really hard not to do the nodal analysis of guitar strings while I'm playing. Yeah, well, I hope you're getting out and seeing a, a few uh, a few shows in Texas, in uh, Austin. It's, um, I'm told it's a pretty impressive city for, uh, for the music scene. Yeah, it is. You should come. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I've... I've uh, been to a few of the um, you know, New Orleans and Memphis and Nashville, but uh, I have not got to Austin yet, but I would certainly like to. Um, what advice would you give to someone starting out in acoustics? Um, so it depends on where you're talking about starting out. If you're, if you're young and, and you're 
maybe middle school or something like that, and you're interested in acoustics, I would tell you take as much math as you possibly can. Math skills will never be unappreciated in any science. So even more important than the science is the math. Take math. Then if you're in, in, in college, I would suggest that you take classes that you're interested in. And it may be a lot of variety, so you can figure out what you really like. For acoustics, I would say again, a lot of math. It's the math. And then as a graduate student, I would suggest, first of all, every graduate student that's even thinking about acoustics should take signal processing. People don't think to take signal processing because it's often not required in acoustic programs. But you really can't understand acoustics until you can understand the data that you've collected, which means you need to understand signal processing. So please take signal processing. Yeah, that was, uh, that was always an interesting class for me. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of maths at uni. Um, and, and what does the future hold for you? What do you still want to do um, or achieve? Or, or what, what, do you, what does the, the remainder of your career look, um, not look like, but what are your ambitions still to, to get involved with? Well, I'm still having fun. And uh, my big push right now is I would like to use sonar to understand the environment better. So whether that's um, uh, tidal fronts and rivers, which is something that we're looking at, or Arctic ice melt, or ecological system, or benthic biology, I'm really interested in looking at environments with sonar. I don't know if that's a huge ambition, but uh, <laughs> well, you've still got something to get you interested, in, and I think that's uh, that's pretty important. Yeah, as I said, I'm still having fun. Well, that's great. Thank, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, uh, Marsha. It's uh, been really interesting. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Matthew. I'll be looking for you in 2021. I'll be there. <laughs> For more information on the Acoustical Society of America, you can visit acousticalsociety.org. Uh, for more information on the acoustics program at the University of Texas in Austin, you can check out me.utexas.edu slash graduate slash areas slash ACS. To get in touch with me, uh, to give any feedback or for more information on the podcast, uh, you can check out talkingacoustics.com. Thanks for listening.